Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Road to Resistance History Podcast. I'm Carolina Bergstrand. And I'm Thomas Youngin. And today, the question that we're going to be addressing is, are Rastafarianism and the Moroccan Fez riots of 1912 examples of effective resistance movements or not? Today, we're going to start by talking about Rastafarianism. Um, So we're going to begin with some background info. Marcus Garvey was the founder of the religion, and it is a politico-religious movement that praises Africa as the black homeland, as well as the former Ethiopian ruler, Haile Selassie I, who was thought of as God. Marcus Garvey was born in Jamaica in 1887. He grew up under the triple race scheme. This experience gave him deep resentment, which increased as he grew older. One of the legacies of the Atlantic slave trade was Rastafarianism, when slaves would resist right within their plantations. African slaves, Rastas, would also practice their religion on their plantations, something that the plantation owner frowned upon, acting as another form of resistance. Rastafarians today can be known to call others other Rastas brother or sister. This is because one of the ways Rastas challenged their positions as slaves was pretending to be blood-related to one another. This way, they would call each other brother, sister, or uncle, making it surprising for slave owners to find them having sexual intercourse, revealing the horror of slavery. Rastafarians are known to live an alternative lifestyle. They are either vegetarian or vegan, smoke weed, have no hierarchy, and have a distinct and chill vocabulary or way of talking. Most of them have dreadlocks, and they're very self-sufficient and enjoy nature. Rastafarianism united slaves and celebrates the African culture. Okay, so one example of why Rastafarianism uh, can be thought of as effective is because of the recent spread of it in Kenya. So, um, for example, a thousand people in the Nairobi uh, Kabiria slums uh, or village uh, converted from Rastafarianism or to Rastafarianism from Christianity in one year. Uh, There's also 1 million uh, Rastafarians worldwide today. Uh, But in Kenya, many uh, Protestant Christian families have converted to Rastafarianism. So there's someone uh, named Jacob uh, Mainathad, and uh, a quote from him is that, uh, I was actually in prison when I was a Christian. Christianity condemns everything that youth youth enjoys. Um, So that kind of sums up that idea. So um, people in Kenya are also linking uh, Rastafarianism with the Bible, and they're trying to paint themselves as the true believers of the Bible to attract followers. So Anthony uh, Mega, who's a theologian, has even tried to trace uh, Howie Selassie's lineage back to Jesus Christ uh, based on like evidence from the New Testament. And also uh, Malonza, who is a 43-year-old who converted to Rastafarianism from Christianity. He quotes the Old Testament uh, book of uh, Jeremiah, and uh, the quote from that is, For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am black. Astonishment hath taken hold of me. And he uses this quote as proof um, that Rastafarians are actually true believers of the Bible um, because it says, like, we are black, or I am black in that. So they're trying to basically say that Haile Selassie was. Um, black. And uh, also, uh, there is, even though I do think this is an example of an effective uh, branch of like Rastafarianism and an effective resistance movement, 
there is a lot of discrimination in conservative areas of Kenya um, against Rastafarians. So Olympic High School in uh, Kabiria refused to admit a Rastafarian student uh, because she refused to cut her dreadlocks and it became a huge controversy. So I know that you talked a lot about how um, Christians were converting to Rastafarianism and I just wanted to see um, if you were put if you were to put yourself in these people's shoes, what do you think is the appeal of Rastafarianism compared to Christianity? Well, I think the main thing that appeals to uh, Christians and makes them convert to Rastafarianism, especially in Kenya, was like what that quote from that guy said, uh, that Christianity condemns what youth enjoys today. Um, the stuff like smoking weed and like the no hierarchy um, and the very chill lifestyle, even though that's kind of like taboo, that does tend to appeal to a, a younger group of people. Well, that's really interesting. Um, now I'm going to be talking about some um, influential Rastafarians, some more famous ones that you've heard of. Um, and one that you might have heard of before is Bob Marley. And he is a Jamaican singer born in 1954. And he's a very, very popular Rastafarian singer and sold over 27 million copies of his greatest hits album and has over 1 million followers around the globe. Um, and in, in a lot of Bob Marley's song, songs, he speaks a lot about slave trade. In one of his songs, Redemption Song, he sings about the trade and he says, my, hands, my hand was strong, speaking on the ending unity of the Jamaican slaves and how it made them stronger. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, so I have a question for you. Uh, do you personally think that Rastafarianism would have been popular and effective without Bob Marley? I think that it would have been effective without him. I don't think that like necessarily he made it any more effective, but I do think that it wouldn't have been as popular without him. Um, I know that a lot of people don't really know about it except for him. So um, I don't think it would have been as popular, but I don't think that necessarily um, it changed the effectiveness of it. So now we're going to transition to the Fez riots. So just to give some background on the Fez riots, um, they took place in Morocco and they were in 1912. Uh, so in March 30th of 1912, uh, Sultan Hafid of uh, Morocco and the French government signed the Treaty of Fez, uh, which essentially made Morocco a French protectorate. Uh, so the treaty allows the French uh, to make, quote, administrative, uh, judicial, educational, economic, financial, and military reforms, which the French government may deem useful for, may deem useful to be introduced within the Moroccan territory. That's a quote from the Treaty of Fez. Uh, so it gives them a, a ton of power. Uh, and uh, Morocco now needs authority from the French government to give concessions to its people. Um, however, the treaty does still allow for religious freedom of the people of Morocco. Uh, and it does leave the Sultan as um, the figure, like a figurehead. Uh, so he's like still the Sultan, but he doesn't really have power uh, and ensures the protection of the Sultan. So uh, after this treaty, uh, nationalists got very angry and they began to protest. And um, French, there was like uh, clashes between the French and Moroccans.
So essentially, uh, these like after these clashes and these fights between uh, the French and Moroccan nationalists, uh, eventually, like about 13 years later, this gave birth to the immense uh, Moroccan nationalist movement, uh, which we'll talk more about later. So now I'm going to be talking about an example of why the um, Fez riots could have been thought as ineffective. Um, so the newspapers in France often showed images on the front of French soldiers being attacked or mistreated by local Moroccans. The French were overall way more aggressive in the resistance um, towards Moroccans as 800 local Moroccan people died while only 19 French soldiers died in one protest. It was shown in the French papers that it was a violent resistance due to the Moroccans being violent when it was not the case. This shows that it was ineffective because the French had a monopoly over the media and newspaper and because the Moroccans were weaker in influence than the French. Wow, yeah, that's really interesting. It's really, uh, that's a good example to show that they're ineffective because um, it really shows how um, the Moroccans didn't really have that much of a say in like the newspaper and the media and stuff. Um, and it was inaccurate. So my question for you is um, since Moroccans clearly had weaker weapons than the French uh, at the time, like they were throwing rocks versus uh, the French who had guns, if they were to have equal arms, uh, who do you think would have faced the most casualties? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that, um, I think that the, it would have been, around the same i think that the moroccans would have faced more death still just because the french although they have guns now or in this time they also had a monopoly over the media as i was saying and they just had more power in other areas um than just guns so i'm going to talk about uh, example as well as why I thought it was ineffective. So uh, I think it's ineffective because uh, when they clashed uh, in like these protests, uh, General uh, Robert Robert Monnier, uh commanded French troops against the rebels on uh, April 12th, 1912. And as Carolina was saying before, there was 18 or 800 Moroccan deaths, but only 19 French soldier deaths. Um, also, in June of 1912, uh, French troops commanded by uh, Colonel Henry Garrard defeated uh, Berber tribesmen, tribesmen who sieged the city of Fez uh, in May. And again, 600 tribesmen were killed and very few French soldiers died. Um, so I also looked at an image um, from April of 1912, uh, which was a burial of French soldiers after the Dar de la Bar. Uh, riot and only eight died first of all so that shows how the moroccans were ineffective against like killing the french i guess um and they also in the picture they had crosses for christianity uh like in the burials uh in front of the caskets so i think this is really important because it shows that even in the midst of a time of conflict and war like this they still have the time to give their people a, like a burial a proper burial and shows that they have more power. So on the contrary, uh, a reason why you could call the Fez riots effective is because it sparked the Moroccan nationalist movement of 1925, uh, which eventually gave birth to the Istiqal party in uh, 1943, which fought for their independence. And these groups and this movement uh, had a long uh, persistent history of 
resisting elections, as well as Dahir Law. And also, um, there was many riots in Casablanca, and approximately uh, 2,000 lives were lost in this whole struggle. So they put in a lot of effort to this. And then eventually, the sultan was uh, disposed and gotten rid of by the French in 1953. So this was really coming to a climax. However, uh, uh, Sultan Siba Muhammad was actually restored as the sultan in uh, 1956, and the Moroccans gained their independence. So it's effective because their work paid off and they eventually got independence. So do you think it took them too long to gain their independence? Um, I Even though I did say that it was effective because they did eventually get their independence, I do think that it did take a very long time. Um, but as we've seen like throughout history, sometimes independence is something that you really have to fight for. So uh, I don't know. I think it didn't really take too long. I think that it was like worth it in the end for them. So to conclude the podcast, uh, ultimately, uh, do you think that these resistance movements were effective or ineffective overall? Um, so for Rastafarianism, Carolina, do you want to share? Yeah, so for Rastafarianism, I really think that it was effective and brought together so many people after something so terrible happened. Yeah, I agree. I also think it was effective because it was very appealing towards youth um, and it had a very chill lifestyle, and it just was able to attract a lot of people. And uh, for the Fez riots, I think that they were ineffective uh, because even though I was just saying kind of the opposite, I do think it did take, uh, like after 1912, it took too long to get their independence from France as it took 44 years. Uh, Carolina, what do you think? Yeah, I thought it was ineffective as well for basically the same reason. I think that it was too many people to, to die for them only to get independence after 44 years. Yeah. So thank you for watching the Road to Resistance History podcast, and we will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs)